We have a special guest with us today on the Linder Farm Network, fellow farm broadcaster Orion Savgelson, who we've known for many, many years. And Orion is retired, but not really retired, because I still hear his voice on TV, and I know he's getting interviewed on radio regularly. So, Orion, good to have you on with us today on the Linder Farm Network. Good to be with you and glad you're still doing what you're doing because you do it very well. And so congratulations on hanging in there. You know, you really fit in well when you come to Farm Fest in Minnesota. And maybe it's those northern United States roots of yours, but uh, people here in the state love you. Well, I like them too, except the one exception being Norwegian. I don't love Swedes, but I put up with them. (laughs) <laughs> That's for sure. Let, let's talk a little bit about you and your career, because people have seen you on occasion. How did you get into farm broadcasting in the first place, Orion? Well, I was in FFA public speaking, got beat badly in my only appearance at the state convention, but uh, at the end of that, uh, the BOAG teacher uh, said, you know, you handled speaking pretty well, and uh, maybe instead of farming, you should take a look at speaking. And so I did because I had the leg disease that I knew would keep me from being an active farmer, despite the fact that my dad wanted to turn the farm over to me when I was of age, And uh, but that... Uh, leg disease problem put an end to it and uh, so I decided as I looked at agriculture and what I knew from first-hand experience I finally got wise enough to determine that it's much easier to talk about agriculture than it is to do it. You know you have been uh, in the business at a time where there has been such unprecedented change uh, I'm sure when you began farm broadcasting, uh, as I did, the, the equipment obviously was much smaller. Kind of give us the run where you came from with equipment and where you're at right now. Well, I, I just did a uh, piece yesterday for our church congregation to talk about some of the changes I've seen. And uh, when I was asked, what's the biggest change you've seen in broadcasting, I have a one-word answer, technology, because when I was introduced in, uh, well, 60 years ago as a farm director at WGN, we did that broadcast from a field on a farm about 200 miles south of Chicago, and it took a uh, truckload of equipment, it took three engineers, and a rented telephone line to get that done. And, of course, now you know that uh, we can carry a little box in my hand, plug a computer in one end and a microphone in the other end, and I can talk to anybody from a cornfield in Minnesota. And you'd uh, never know that uh, I was at that location because of the advance in technology that I've seen in my 60 years as a broadcaster and uh, learn to utilize and do very well because uh, we did a lot of farm progress shows. We did a lot of state fairs and that type of thing and uh, no longer had to lease or rent telephone lines 
and take engineers for two or three days out of the station to go to the site of the broadcast, and uh, we could do it all easily. And uh, I can talk from anywhere in the world, went to England, to the Royal Agriculture Show, and uh, there we used a phone line when I went for the first time, but when I went for the last time, we didn't have to use a telephone line from England to Chicago because of the technology. But the interesting thing about that technology, Lynn, as you very well know, is what it's added to agriculture, to farm equipment, manufacturing, and uh, the tools we have uh, to drive tractors at night but not be out there to drive them, and the technology we have in control of weeds and what we have done with the uh, advancement in seed production and uh, the seed that we have today. Last year, for example, during the growing season, we had some very bad drought in parts of Illinois, but we still harvested a very good crop. And farmers would react to me when I'd talk to them. They'd say, you know, with the lack of rain, I can't believe I got what I did in corn and soybeans. And then the other thing, uh, when I was uh, starting in this business, we grew corn and soybeans in Illinois, but we didn't grow many in Minnesota or North Dakota or Canada. But that's all changed again because of technology and the tools that we have at our disposal to use. So what do you remember when you started? Uh, what was the tractor size uh, uh, farm equipment uh, like in those early days of, of your farm broadcasting? Well, uh, let's go back to the farm in Wisconsin because I remember in 1939 the International Harvester Dealer pulled into our farmyard with a Farmall F20 on steel. It was not on rubber, but it was on steel. We later uh, took the steel wheels off and put rubber on. But, uh, you know, I look back at those times. We uh, put up hay with a four-foot cutter bar on the mower pulled by horses, and uh, that's going by the wayside. And so the technology that we've been able to introduce, and that's why I always call it agribusiness, because it goes far beyond the farmstead. It goes to the farm equipment manufacturers and to the crop protection companies that come up with the new technology that make it possible to do what we do. Well, in your lifetime, that is an incredible change to have lived when Horses were still being used. Now with the equipment so big and so complex, uh, what a period of time for the growth in agriculture. Yeah, it's really been, and again, I come back to the word technology, the uh, things that we have in the crop protection and the farm equipment manufacturing that we have that uh, I didn't have. I mean, the Farmall F20 that we cranked to get started was really a modern tool, and we got that in 1939. 
And I think Dad paid $700 for that tractor, and it sold at our farm auction in 1964 for something like $2,000 because of uh, the size of the equipment and what you could do with it uh, that you couldn't do with the modern equipment today. You know, you've had opportunities to travel, and, and I've traveled, but nowhere close to the traveling that you've done around the world, and I, I certainly envy you for that. What what are some of the most interesting trips that you've made with your career as a farm broadcaster? Well, I would have to put number one, China, because I've been to China ten times since Richard Nixon opened that market, and then uh, Russia, because uh, I had the opportunity to go to Russia and I remember at the time Gorbachev was coming into power and we had past, uh, the openness that we didn't have before. And uh, I talked to a farmer in Russia and he said, finally, people will be listening to us and will be interested in what we're able to produce. But uh, he said, we look forward to catching up with you. Because one of the stops in Moscow that uh, I made with my cameraman, who always went with me, we're walking down the street, and I see a group of people standing outside the storefront. And I said to Bob, the cameraman, I said, let's go in and find out what they're standing in line for. Well, they were standing in line to buy food, and hopeful that by the time they got in, there'd be something left on the shelves. And I thought, we're so lucky in the U.S. because uh, until the uh, pandemic, we uh, didn't have that situation, and uh, we've learned to live with it now that we have the pandemic. But uh, life changes every day, as you well know, and uh, you've been at this business, Lynn, for a long time. And uh, you mentioned Farm Fest at the beginning of the conversation, and that was one of my favorite stops, Farm Progress Show and Farm Fest. I always enjoyed that. And uh, you and I got to work together at some of those Farm Fests, and uh, that was a lot of fun. No doubt about it. No doubt. Uh, one more question for you, and then we'll turn you loose, because I, I, I do want to check in with you every uh, month or whenever it fits in. Ag secretaries, the first that I have a memory of was Earl Butts, and uh, my wife Mary and I was along. We were newly married, and I have a picture of Earl having Mary sit on his lap. Now, I don't know if that would happen today, but it sure was a lot of fun. But uh, who, who's your fondest memories of secretaries of agriculture? Well, Earl Butts, because he was a great storyteller, and uh, he knew the language, and he knew the business. But then John Block, who uh, I knew for years before he became secretary of the USDA, was secretary of agriculture for the state of Illinois, a pig farmer from Illinois. And uh, one of the stories I remember about uh, John's experience when he was there, uh, when he was secretary, the president of France came to visit farms in the Midwest. And uh, they had quite a fleet of media people, along with the French president, uh, the one before uh, Charles de Gaulle. And uh, they, on a kind of a 
wet day, were out walking on the way to John's pig farm. And they were in their suits and in their shoes and nothing but mud as they walked through the mud that was on the farm. But the president of France uh, held a pig in his uh, arms that uh, John Block gave to him. And uh, John invited me to go along to uh, Moscow for the signing of the U.S.-USSR grain agreement. And uh, so I enjoyed him very much. But another one I enjoyed was Dan Glickman, who was a, a funny man and uh, had some funny answers to a lot of questions. And uh, then Mike Johans, who became uh, secretary, and uh, I traveled with him as he went around the country to talk about what farmers wanted in the new farm bill that they were in the process of putting together. So it's tough to pick a popular one. I think probably... Uh, the most uncomfortable one and uh, uh, who was in that job was the secretary. Oh, golly, I can't remember his name now. But Was it Mike he, Espy? Uh, he did not seem comfortable in the post as secretary of agriculture and uh, did not like to do interviews and did not like to uh, talk about statistics because uh, he wanted to be the secretary, and that was it. But uh, we have not had a bad secretary, in my opinion. We've had some that are better than others for different reasons, and I've enjoyed all of them. Yeah, I know now as I look at the press releases, and we'll talk about it in an upcoming program more, but uh, everything that seems to be coming out is talking about racial equity, climate change, all of those things. And I just really wonder, agriculture is an industry that seems to me has been pretty fair all the way around. There's been this spirit of compromise in Congress. And I just hate to see agriculture become politicized like the rest of our society seems to be lately. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Orion. Well, I agree with you on the politics that seem to take the lead in agricultural discussions, and I get really bothered. Well, first of all, fake meat. To me, if I'm going to have steaks or pork chops, I want the real thing. I don't want a combination of of, uh, the inputs that are not real. And I keep wondering, when I run into it, that with uh, PETA, and uh, the Humane Society, I ask him, who do you think will eat the grass if we don't have cattle or we don't have dairy cows? And uh, I don't get very good answers to that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about some of the things that we see in agriculture and some of the things that they're talking about doing to uh, mitigate uh, climate control and to make it easier to do what we think should be done because I think some of the systems we have really you can't replace because not only have we done them forever, but I think we have done them very well 
And I just get bothered when they try to put in rules and regulations on how we grow crops, how we grow livestock. Of course, I've always been concerned about PETA and the Humane Society because they don't understand what it takes to raise hogs and cattle and dairy cattle and that sort of thing. But they think they do, and so they get pretty good press coverage because of the things they say that are different than reality in agriculture and producing food. You know, I remember the first time I went to Moscow, I was walking on a city street with a group of the uh, communist leadership and my cameraman, and I saw this group of people outside the shop, and I said to Bob, my cameraman, I said, let's go there and see why they're standing outside. And as we got up there, we saw it was a line of people in front of a food store in Moscow waiting to get in to buy food. And that was one thing we didn't have to do in this country, and I thought, I hope we never have to do it because of the way we're able to produce it, process it, But today, as I've told my listeners for months, we do not have a food shortage in this country. We have a shortage of labor, and we have a shortage of truck drivers, and the shortage of the people who stock the shelves in supermarkets, but we do not have a shortage of food. So uh, keep that in mind when you go shopping. Buy toilet paper instead of hoarding food. There you go. And I, I know I had a, a listener send me a label of the, uh, as you call, fake meat uh, and a label of a steak. And, of course, the label for the steak said beef. And the label for the fake steak had about 50 different chemicals in it, most of which I've never heard of. And they said, which one's more wholesome? You tell me. So I just thought that was quite interesting. If people like to look at labels, check that one out. Yeah, I fully agree with you because uh, I don't need to eat what looks like steak but is full of chemicals uh, when I could enjoy a real steak or a real pork chop. Absolutely. Orion, great to visit with you. We'll call you from time to time here because uh, there are some issues in agriculture uh, going on today that I'd like to chat about, so we'll save that for the next time around if that's all right. I'll be happy to do that, and are we doing... Are they doing Farm Fest this year? Yes, Farm Fest is back again. And uh, if you get to the point that you want to travel, you'll be the main attraction again. I can guarantee that. Well, I sold the airplane, so it isn't quite as easy to get around as when I had my Cessna 210. But I sold that about uh, a a year ago. And I miss the airplane, uh, but... Of course, with the commercial airlines today, can pretty well get to where I want to get to, but not quite as easy to move as I could years ago. And so I uh, depend on a wheelchair to help at the airports and that sort of thing, because I can get around, but uh, I see people who can't get around, and I realize I'm still fortunate because I can get around and... uh, so I'll look forward to maybe getting a trip to uh, Farm Fest sometime this year or next year. I'm going to work on it. Okay, we'll work on that too with you. Orion Samuelson, 
Always a great guest here with us on the Linder Farm Network.